Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7. And as you're turning there, if you're a first-time guest with us, we want to invite you to our cafe as soon as church is over. If you walk through these doors into the main lobby and to your right, you'll see double doors leading in signs towards the cafe. And all of our first-time guests receive a drink there. And we want you to come have a coffee or whatever you choose on us just because we love you and we're honored that you're here with us today. Amen. We are so glad that you're here. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7. If you found it, say amen. Amen. If you haven't found it yet, just look at the screen and act like you did because I'm not going to ramble anymore. Praise God. Matthew 7 and 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, would you give him a serpent? He said, if ye then, being evil, everybody say evil. If you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? If you, being evil men, know how to give good gifts, how much more? Could your Father in heaven give you a good gift? I'm going to preach today uh, from a rather generic title, but it will make sense momentarily. But I just want to talk to you today about the heart of a father. You may be seated in Jesus' name. There's a remarkable story of a father's devotion to his son who happens to be wheelchair bound and their bond has inspired literally millions of people worldwide. If you're not familiar with it, it's a really neat story. You can find it on YouTube or uh, several places. There's been a documentary done on what became known as Team Hoyt. But uh, Dick and Rick Hoyt are a father and son dynamic duo that have captured the hearts of men and women and children around the world. Rick was born in 1962 to Dick and Judy Hoyt in Holland, Massachusetts, the United States. And as a result of oxygen deprivation to Rick's brain at the time of his birth due to uh, problems with the cord being wrapped around his neck. Rick was diagnosed as a spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy. As a result, his brain cannot send the correct messages to his muscles. Dick and Judy were advised to institutionalize Rick because there was no chance of him recovering. As a matter of fact, the doctor said there's, there's little hope for Rick to live a 
normal life. His parents held on to the fact that Rick's eyes would follow them around the room and giving them hope that he would somehow, someday, be able to communicate. The Hoyts took Rick every week to the children's hospital in Boston where they met a doctor who encouraged them, do whatever you have to to treat Rick like any other child. Rick's mother, Judy, spent hours every day teaching Rick the alphabet with sandpaper letters and posting signs on every object in the house. In a short amount of time, Rick learned the alphabet, but this was just the beginning of Dick and Judy's quest for Rick's inclusion in community, sports, education, and one day even the workplace. Dick and Judy fought to integrate Rick into the public school system. They were pushing administrators to see beyond Rick's physical limitations. Dick and Judy would take Rick sledding and swimming like any other child. After providing concrete evidence of Rick's intellect and ability to learn like everyone else, Dick and Judy needed to find a way to help Rick communicate for himself. Quote, they said, many people tried to make it difficult for us, but we just went ahead, said his father. With $5,000 in 1972 and a skilled group of engineers at Tufts University, an interactive computer was built for Rick. This computer consisted of a cursor being used to highlight every letter of the alphabet. And once the letter that Rick wanted was highlighted, he was able to select it by a simple tap of his head against the headpiece that was attached to his wheelchair. When the computer was originally first brought home, Rick surprised everybody with his first words spoken when he said, instead of saying, hi, mom, or hi, dad, the first words that he said was, go Bruins. <laughs> the Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup finals that season, and it was pretty clear from that moment that Rick loved sports. In 1975, at the age of 13, Rick was finally admitted to public school. After high school, Rick attended Boston University, and in 1993, he graduated with a degree in special education. Dick retired in 1995 as a lieutenant colonel from the Air National Guard after serving our great nation for 37 years. In the spring of 1977, Team Hoyt began when Rick asked his father if they could run a race together to benefit a lacrosse player at his school who had become paralyzed. He wanted to prove that life went on no matter your disability. But there was a problem. Dick was not a runner, and he was 36 years old. Great fathers, however, said the writer, great fathers make sacrifices. Great fathers give up their time, their money, their physical energy for the sake of giving their children a better life or sometimes just a smile would do. Dick may not have been a runner, but as a great father, his son's request was all the motivation that he needed. He agreed, and he pushed his son's wheelchair the full five miles. After their first race, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. 
After their initial five-mile run, Dick began running every day of his life with a bag of cement in the wheelchair because Rick was at school studying or unable to train with him. This father pushed himself so much. He pushed himself to physical fitness, even so that he was able to obtain a personal record of a 5K run in 17 minutes. Dick immediately took to sacrificing his time and his energy, selflessly giving that able-bodied feeling to his son over the next three and a half decades. The pair set and achieved and surpassed not only their own goals, but also everyone's expectations of a father carrying, towing, and pushing his wheelchair-bound adult son. In 1981, the Hoyts would finish their first Boston Marathon, a 26.2-mile trek through downtown Boston with Dick pushing Rick in a special wheelchair. The event, Dick admits, was somewhat difficult for him And four years later, on Father's Day, the father and son would take on something that was at the time unprecedented, a triathlon that consisted of a one-mile swim, a 40-mile bicycle ride, and a 20-mile run. For the Hoyts, the question was not if they could achieve this, but how. The answer lied in equipment. Dick did anything and everything that he had to do. He got a specialized boat with a bungee cord and wrapped it around his waist. The bike that they had to use was a two-seater bicycle with a custom-made seat. And he pushed Rick in his athletic chair, and they finished the triathlon. Now, for the sake of time, I want to give you a little bit of this family's record. Team Hoyt's accomplishments include, and I'm not sure you're ready for this, 255 triathlons, six Ironman distances, seven half Ironmans, and 22 duathlons, 72 marathons, 32 of which were Boston marathons, eight 18.6 milers, 97 half marathons, 120K, 37 10 milers, 35 Falmouth 7.1 milers, and one Falmouth in the fall. Eight 15Ks, 218 10Ks, 165 milers, four 8Ks, 18 4 milers, 161 5Ks, eight 20 milers, two 11Ks, one 7K, and one 20 mile bike ride for best buddies, all because a father was told by his son, You make me feel like I can do it. I read all of that to tell you that this is what Jesus said is an evil man. Now, evil doesn't mean that he's a crooked man. It means that he's a sinful man. It means that he was born with a sin nature. But even a man with a sin nature heard the voice of a son who said, Dad, if you'll lead the way, we can make this happen. The documentary that was created on this man and his son was called A Father's Heart. I've never given my children the gift at all of 255 triathlons. How do you know that? Because I'm still here breathing. 
I've never ran a marathon for my kids, and I'll tell you how you know that. I'm standing right now. There are no marathons, triathlons, swimathons. Matter of fact, after I got out of youth ministry, there's no rockathons for me. I'm done with all the athons, but I'm going to tell you something that I believe. That even if an evil father knows how to give a good gift, I want my children to know we're going to be in the house of the Lord. Every time the doors are open, we may not run a triathlon together, but we can run the aisles together. I want to tell you the greatest gift that you could ever give your children is to teach them here, oh Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. I thank God for my dad today. I thank the Lord for how I was taught. I thank the Lord for a dad who took time with me. Not everybody, and I realize this, how blessed I am, not everybody has the story that I have to have a dad in my life from day one. I understand that a lot of folks have had difficulties in their lives. But I want to tell you today, I'm thankful for a dad that taught me how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball, how to hit a golf ball. I'm still trying to figure that one out. He taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to be kind to people. He taught me how to treat people. He taught me how to hold your head high even when you felt like crawling under a rock sometimes. Square your shoulders up. Face life. Look, I'm not here to be negative today, but we're not, we're not doing our kids any favors by telling them the world owes you something and you're going to get a participation trophy for everything you do. We need to teach our kids that life is going to be tough and there's going to be times that life feels unfair. But that's not the time to quit. That's not the time to sit down. That's not the time to throw in the towel. That's the time to square up your shoulders and look at the world and say, I'm going to make it. It don't matter what it costs me. I'm going to make it. If I've got to live a, a tough season, I'm going to come through it. But all, when it's said and done, I'm going to do it living for God. Thank the Lord for it. I thank the Lord that my dad wasn't weak. You're welcome. I thank the Lord that my dad wasn't spineless. I thank the Lord that my dad had some grit to him. As the Jews would say in Hebrew, he had some chutzpah. My, my dad had something in him that whenever... Whenever I had other plans, he made sure to know whose plans were going to be, going to be happening that day. Yeah, yeah there, there was never a question in the St. Clair household of what we were going to be doing on Sunday morning. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, Lord, Lord help me today. I, I, to the best of my knowledge, far as I know, uh, even if, I don't even think on a vacation or anything. I don't, think, I don't think my dad and I ever played golf on a Sunday morning. I don't think we ever went fishing on a Sunday morning. I've never spent a Sunday on the boat in my life. Never, never spent a Sunday out fishing. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest memories that I've ever learned and earned in my life, I found in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. Folks, I want to tell you today, there is nothing more important in your life 
If God has trusted you to be a parent, there's nothing more important in your life than teaching your children to seek first the kingdom of God. My dad taught me to seek first the kingdom before he ever knew I was going to be a preacher. Because this is not just about being a preacher, being a pastor, and you're here because you have to be. I don't know who ever got that started, but I'm telling you, I'm not here today because I have to be. I'm here today because I want to be. I'm here today because I was taught there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. I'm not here today because somebody made me be here. I'm here because I love him, and he's been better to me than I deserve. God has been so good to me. My dad taught me to throw a ball, but he said that ball won't fly on Sunday. It's the truth. My dad taught me if you move out of the way of a, of a ground hop, you're a sissy. I'm like, but dad, what if it hits my teeth? That's what a dentist is for, son. Josh, we've had a lot of what in the world, hadn't we? Miss a ball. What in the world? Sorry, I like my teeth. And it's only church league. I mean, we didn't win nothing but an ugly trophy, and he got to put it in his office. That's why he wanted it. They're still sitting out there today. He'd be glad to show them to you. But it's because guys like me and Josh sacrificed our bodies. That's probably why Matt had surgery on his foot. <laughs> there was a lot the bishop didn't care about. pretty easy going. But he was grateful for everybody that prayed through for softball season. <laughs> the week before softball season started, we had more young men come back and pray through. The guy, just unbelievable. And, and they'd live for God for five weeks. Well, let me rephrase that. They'd come to church for five weeks. I thank the Lord for the things that my evil father, my earthly father, my worldly father taught me. But Jesus said, if your kid came to you and asked you for bread, if you're in your right mind, that Jesus didn't know how to speak like a southerner, you reckon? But, but he should. I think maybe Jesus had some southern Hebrew in him. But Jesus, Jesus was basically looking at them and said, if you're worth your salt, if your boy comes to you hungry and says, Daddy, I, I, I need some bread, you don't give him a rock. You give him something that will satisfy them. And, and, and if they come to you and say, Dad, I need some fish, he said, you're not, you're not going to hand them a serpent. I like how Jesus did this, but I, but I want to tell you, as a pastor today, there's a whole lot that I could put in here. If you're in your right mind, when your kid comes to you and says they need help, that don't mean you just hold your wallet open every time. We're, we're not just doing favors by giving our kids money for everything they want to do. That's a good way to live broke. How many of you ever heard, ever, ever heard that if you, 
If you catch a fish and feed a man, you feed him one time. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. You know what? I got a lot of things in my life to be grateful for. I can complain about stuff. You know, putting the extra gas in my kids' car because they want to drive separate. Do you know what? I'm going to help them with gas because I know where they're going on Sunday morning. And I guarantee you one thing. If that car ain't turned in this direction on Sunday, it's going to be a long walk when they can't fill that tank up. Dad, I need direction in my life. Don't hand him a bat. Dad, I, 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 I need some direction. Don't give him football pads. I need somebody to speak wisdom in my life. Well, it's not going to be a baseball coach. We need to teach our kids the value of the voice of a man of God in their life. We need to teach our kids the value of being a worshiper. Come on, men, I love you, but I've come to stir you up a little bit today. It's a shame. It's an absolute shame if your kids are out worshiping you. It's a shame if your kids are dancing and running the aisles and you're, you're watching them and smiling about it. We need some dads that will take the lead and say, Son, this is how we worship. This is how we're faithful. Basically what Jesus was saying is you don't give them something silly. You give them what's needed. You provide what's needed. And I'm telling you today, there has never been a time that the church was more needed in our kids' lives than it is right now. I, I don't want this to get silly today, and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to get a bunch of chaos in people's minds. But I'm telling you, folks, listen, please hear me. With the pressures of society being as they are right now, there is no good time to just take a break from serving the Lord there is no good time to just take a break from bringing our kids to the house of God. I want to promise you something this month. Every time they step out of the house, they're going to see pride flags everywhere. But you know what they ought to see in your house? There ought to be a Bible everywhere. And it ought to be open on your table. And you reading and teaching the word of God. It don't matter what it is. It can be a commercial. I mean, you know, honestly, YouTube, I, I used to watch YouTube because interesting stuff on there. And, man, here lately it's made me sick. They got more commercials and more breaks. And I'm like, what in the world's going on with this stuff? Dudes kissing dudes. and There, 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 was, a, there was a season of time. I don't know how all this works. Honestly, I, it's, it's unbelievable. But it was showing up on everybody's YouTube that I knew. I had several parents come to me. That there was an advertisement that would pop up every, every, every day on there. It was a gay quiz. Are you gay? And a pride flag behind it. And they had it set up to where they made the X real small. So that if you tried to X out of it, that it would click and track. I had parents come to me saying, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what, what to do. My kids are watching. Well, look, I'm just going to tell you. I thank God for YouTube. And I thank God for Facebook because we're on it right now. But we, we need to use it for the right things. 
And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for my kids being entertained by a religious agenda. And that's exactly what it has become. Sex has become religion. It's people's religion. But we've got, we've got to learn to teach our kids to despise the sin and love the people. we got to learn to teach our kids there is a way to be righteous and love ungodly people. I don't, I don't want my kids to be entertained by, by it so that they embrace it as normal. It's not normal. The biblical way is normal. But if they don't ever hear the Bible way, they're not going to know what normal is. And I make you a promise that the world would be glad to define normalcy for your kids if you let them. But you know what I love? I love it when I walk upstairs and I hear my girls in their room and they got Josh Carson preaching on there. They've got Matt Tuttle preaching on their phone they've got brother Nathan Holmes preaching on their phone I was picking it I was picking it brother Carson the other day it was uh, last Wednesday I think we were together and he and I Bishop had lunch and uh, I was picking on him about one of his kids he said oh man he, he loves you I said sucker I don't want to hear that he said yeah man he, he loves you he said he, he does, thinks you're a great preacher. I said, listen, I'm going to make you a promise. You ain't never walked in on your kids listening to me preach. I said, but I walk in all the time, my kids listening to you preach on your little Instagram reels. I'm glad my kids' heroes don't wear capes. I'm glad my kids' heroes are men that carry the word of God to the pulpit and preach truth. And you know why they're heroes? Because they live on Monday what they preached on Sunday. Thank God for it. Thank God for holiness preachers. Thank God for righteous preachers. Thank God for separated preachers that will preach this gospel light. I've been blessed in this church through the years to pastor precious people who didn't have a strong father in their life. I've been very blessed to have the opportunity to have sons in the gospel and have people in this church that this church became their family. And Bishop or myself became the father figure to them. But I want to tell you today, there is no greater gift that we could ever give our children than to help them understand that even if your earthly father has let you down, you have a father that has stuck. Oh my God. You have a father that has loved you and has watched you and has held you. And can I tell you, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you ever had an earthly father that forsook you, you had a heavenly father that loved you and put his hand on your life. He said, if, if evil fathers know how to give gifts, then how much more? Would your heavenly Father give good gifts to them which ask? Luke recorded it saying this. He said, how much more would your heavenly Father give you his Holy Spirit? 
You know what the greatest gift in life is? It's not a car on your 16th birthday. It's not a car for graduation. It's not free college tuition. It's being baptized with the Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know it's going to get awkward in here for just a second. That's okay. But I don't say it enough how proud I am of my kids. I don't, I don't, I, I, I thank God for being a pastor, and I thank God I was raised in a pastor's home. I thank God. But I'm telling you, the pressure of being a pastor's kid sometimes is, it's a lot. And my kids, they live in a, in a glass bowl and, and a fishbowl, and the only thing I can say is if we're going to live in a fishbowl, let's at least be sure it's clean. Be sure people can see through the, the glass. Let's be, let's be transparent. Let's, let's live for God. But I'm going to tell you, I know it's, I know it's personal, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to tell you all something. This week, I stood out in the crowd, a senior youth camp, and Sister Susie, I looked up on that platform on Friday night, and Graceland's long hair was hanging down. She got the lead in that crowd in worship. The Holy Ghost was on her, the anointing spirit of God. And I'm, I'm serious. I'm not just saying it because she's mine. As she started speaking and opened up her mouth to sing, you could just feel the room start to shift. And I, I don't say it with arrogance and pride, but I stood back in that crowd and I said, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that this is where my kids want to be. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm so grateful. I, I, I can tell you today, right now, if I told my kids, Jocelyn, I'm sorry, you're not going to junior camp next week. There'd be a fight in my house. Because they, they want to be there. And next week they're going to be on the platform helping lead worship and, and singing. Look, there's nothing that brings me greater joy than knowing my children walk in the truth. Nothing. I'm, I'm in the wrestling match of my life. I got up here my 40th birthday two years ago. And I started crying like a baby. And my kids were like, Dad, what's wrong with you? 40's not old. I'm like, you don't understand. It's not that I feel old. It's that the last decade I raised you. This next decade, I'm giving you away. You understand what I'm saying? Like, the last decade from 30 to 40, man, that was the formative years. We finally got Graceland out of diapers at 15. These, these, were, the, these were the formative years where I'm watching God's hand on them and, and I'm watching them learn to navigate through through difficult waters and sometimes the hardest thing for me to do as a pastor is to just stand back and let my kids deal with it. I, I want to jump in sometimes and say, let me tell you how it's going to be. But I've watched them learn to love people, be gentle with people. And I, 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 I don't even like saying it. It makes me just... Bleh. This week, Lauren decided that, this, that we, we gave her the liberty to decide that she's going she's gonna to go to Bible college in the fall. My, my babies leave me in the fall 
to go to college and I feel forsaken. She's going to leave me. And some hairy-legged guy from California has been calling her. It's weird. It's odd. Oh. But when I look down in the altar on Thursday night in that apostolic prayer line that we had, if you were here and you were in that prayer line this week at camp meeting, I want you to stand. Because I want to tell you what that was. That was apostolic. That was apostolic. I thank God for it. You can be seated. I looked down that prayer line. And I saw my daughter weeping and crying and seeking God. And I knew she wasn't wanting to go to college so that she could meet a guy. And any guy that she meets that ever watches this video, I got a lot of guns and a lot of bullets. But I'm going to tell you, my heart is overwhelmed when I think of the fact that I'm, I'm at a different stage in life where my kids are starting to move into different phases and different stages. But Dad, I'm so grateful that when they came to me for bread, I didn't give them a rock. I'm grateful that when, when, they, when they came to me with a broken heart, I didn't just send them to the first counselor in the phone book. I said, let's go to God in prayer right now. Let's talk about this. I'm getting to the stage with kids where, you know, you realize there's a certain stage, and I'm not there yet, thank the Lord, but there's a certain stage you get to. And I didn't get it when my mom acted silly and cried and boo-hooed, and I left. And Jody got married on September the 11th. I left on September the 13th. Gave my mom and dad empty nests within two days. And I thought it was funny when I heard my mother after I left town, moved to Mississippi, my mom was in there sniffing my bed, crying, laying across my bed, saying, Saint, I still smell as cologne. You just think that's stupid till your kids leave. I can tell you one thing. There's a, there's a point where you feel like you've taught all you can teach, you know, to a certain point. You've done all you can do. It's like you're starting to lose control over things. But you just write this down today. And I'm not, I'm not here to just make best friends. I want to bless somebody here. But you write this down. That season goes way faster than you think it's going to go. And while you've got the chance to form them and shape them in the mind of God and in the ways of God and being faithful to the house of God, you better form it every day. You better form it every week. Come on. Ben, I can't believe you're 40 today. Happy birthday to you, sir. You look good for 40. And your dad still looks 43. But you know what I love? I've known Ben all his life. I'm going to tell you what I love on Father's Day. He hasn't been here like he should, but he knows where to be. On his 40th birthday, he knows where to be today. Thank you, Brother McLean. For living a life of holiness before Benjamin. Thank you. Elvis, I thank God today. I got talking to Dave Driggers the other day about all the damage that happened to the Driggers family the last few years and all the losses. 
you know what, man? You've had some corkscrews and some backslides and some quick rides backwards in cars. and Been crazy. And I want you to look on that pew today. Those kids love God. I looked up there today and there was Tiny up there in the drum pit. All seven foot nine inches of him. Giving praise to God. No, we haven't done it all right. No, we, we haven't been perfect. Yes, we've made mistakes. Oh, God. But I'm so thankful today when I look around this room for those that have stayed and for those that have hope. Listen, I'm going to tell you. You don't have to believe it, but it's right. It's in the Word. If you'll raise your child in the way they should go, they may walk away from the church, but they can't walk away from what you taught them. They may leave the presence of God for a while, but they can't get away from Him pressing them and pursuing them and loving them. Hey, raise your babies in the house of God. Give them the best gift you could give them. Oh, God. Good gifts. Did y'all see that, man? That was a neat trick. That thing's cool. Do the best you can. Raise them in the fear of God. Admonition of the truth. And know the day that they leave your house, I've done all that I could do. I've taught my kids to love the Lord. You know what? I don't deserve the goodness of God. I don't deserve to have the family that I have. I don't deserve to pastor this great church. But I'm going to tell you, the only reason that I'm here is because somebody gave me a gift. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. The only reason that I'm here is because I was taught when, when it gets tough, you get tougher. I thank God for that. I thank God for the convictions that we have today. I thank God for the heart that I have. But I didn't just get that because I woke up one day and said I want I got it. Because day after day, week after week, month after month, people like Sandy Duggleby, John Duggleby, Jeannie McClain, Mary Sue Bingham, every week, I'd walk into that old Sunday school room. Where's Sister Sandy? Is she in here? Where's she at? She's not in here today. I'm going to tell you. Sister Darla, you know why I got what I got? Because you helped tell my mom it was worth it. Sister Reno, when I was a little boy, I'd ask my mom about prayer. I said, Mom, tell me about prayer. She said, Baby, I learned a lot about prayer from Sister Potter. She said, I learned to pray watching Sister Potter pray. Thank you, Sister Reno. For giving us a gift. Thank God for it. Liz, you hadn't done it all right. Nor have I. But I'm going to tell you today, I looked up here and two of your kids were on the platform. One of them was down here dancing. And the other one was standing back here with God putting his hand on him and touching him. And God's not done with him yet either. I hope you don't take this rude, and I don't mean it rude, but she's one of the best dads I know.
know it's hard. I looked on that back road today, man, I smiled so big. It's good to see the Bailey crew back there, Zions. You know, this is a tough Father's Day. It's the first one. But I'm going to tell you what, it won't be your last one because he told you. Brenda, he told you, seek the kingdom of God. He told you, Sister Cindy, love God. We got to have dads and moms that when we put them in the ground, they just keep on preaching. just live for God I can't help it when I drive by the cemetery where Brother Bingham's buried I just got to look over there by that little chapel and say Papa thank you thank you for standing when others told you to sit down Woo! they told him Brother Bingham if you'll just quit preaching holiness we'll fill that church up he said I don't want it filled with anything less than holiness I don't want a church filled with anything less than holiness. I thank God today for every man and every woman on this Father's Day that have invested in me and gave me good gifts, thank God, for the heart of a father. Let's stand together this morning. Thank God for it. Pastor, you're awful emotional this morning. There's, no, there's nowhere else to be today. We're only here because we've been blessed. Brother Kevin, you know what I think? I think Big Dwayne would be pretty proud of you. That's what I think. I thank God for the opportunities that I've been given to rub shoulders with great men that had great hearts. The heart of a father. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I'm just being really sincere today. I think some of us are too hard on ourselves. Some of you men are your own worst enemy. And your focus becomes on your mistakes and how you've messed up and where you missed it. But I'm here on this Sunday morning to encourage you. That's why I'm here. And I'm going to tell you on this Sunday morning, if you dropped the ball, okay. You did. You messed up. Dropped the ball. But you know why the Lord sent me here on this Sunday morning? I'm here to tell every man in this room, every father in this room, and for that matter, every woman in this room, but it's Father's Day. I'm here to tell you today, if you feel like you dropped the ball, feel like you swung and missed, step out of the batter's box, take a big, deep breath, clean your cleats off, get back in that box and square your shoulders up and try again. Well, Pastor, I've wasted too much time. Well, that may be what the devil's telling you. But I'm telling you, you're still breathing and you're here. I just don't know if God can do anything with me. I've wasted too much time. But you're still here. The devil don't want you to know this today. But as long as you're still kicking and you're still alive, he still hates you. And you're still a threat to him. Brother Hardy, I would have never dreamed through the years that I'd ended up pastoring your daddy 
Just a few weeks ago, I got online. It's so good to see you all today. I got online and saw you in Europe. The next service I came, I saw this little precious brother come into church and sat down. As soon as I saw him walk in, I thought, this boy is on the other side of the world right now doing a work for God because somebody told him. Is that right? Doing missions work around the world because somebody said seek first the kingdom. I probably sound redundant in here today but I got to get this in somebody's heart. You haven't failed so much that you can't pull it back together. If you missed the mark, then come back where you missed it. Try again. I'm just asking today for sincere people that are just willing to say, you know what? I haven't had it all together and I haven't done it all right. But today, God, you've given me the courage to try one more time. Today, God, if you just, just slip your hand up and say, God, I may have failed you, but I'm not done and you're not done with me. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. If I missed the road and took the wrong turn, then I'll come back to where I, where I turned and I'm going to find this. I'm going to fix it. But God, I make a commitment to you today. I'm going to give you my best from this day forward. Us to close our eyes and lift our faces towards heaven. Let God see that beautiful smile that's coming on your face right now as you feel His mercy begin to envelop you and embrace you right now. Come on, let Him do it. God, I've made mistakes, but I'm here today. I've fallen and skinned my knee along the way, but I'm standing today. I'm here, God.